Happy Abadoobie, last day on Earth on Island 1069 WIIS Key West. Good morning, I'm Gwen Filosa and with you here at the big studio right off Duval Street. The show's called It's Too Early, so good morning to you all. I'm super excited to have my guest this morning. He's a research assistant scientist at the University of Florida's Tropical Aquaculture Laboratory. We have a lot to talk about. Quentin Tuckett, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Now, you're already at work, right? I am. <laughs> it is uh, 8.17. The, uh, <laughs> the kids are off to school, so uh, it's not too yeah, early. here I am. Not too early for you. <laughs> well, you have kids, so you're no. probably up at four. Just kidding. Mm. Uh, and, uh, no, not, not quite. Not quite. <laughs> now, so, ex- um, so interested in what you do is fascinating, but th- tell me what aquaculture is exactly. So I, I guess first off, just a little background on on where I am. So like uh, was just mentioned, I work at the Tropical Aquaculture Lab, um, and that's with the University of Florida. And uh, what we do is support ornamental fish farms, and uh, that is a big component of aquaculture in Florida. And aquaculture is just the uh, it's agriculture of uh, aquatic species, so... We uh, produce a lot of things in the state of Florida, from uh, cattle to uh, citrus to whatever. And in addition to that, we also produce uh, fish. Okay. Aquaculture is such a great name. It sounds like a rave or like a band. It it really is. And and people don't realize that it is uh, essentially agriculture. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I said, from ornamental fish, there's also uh, clams and oysters grown in the state and and dozens of others food fish uh, tilapia um, quite a few others now uh, what brought you into this field of study or you've been at it a while I have so I guess I'm originally from Idaho so I'm quite quite a ways away but initially what brought me into this was just the study of uh, non-native species and uh, as anybody in Florida knows, we have a number of non-native mm. species, from uh, Brazilian peppers to uh, pythons and, and also uh, quite a few freshwater fish. So uh, that's what brought me here. And, you know, if you're a, a non-native species biologist, um, this is a good place to be. I mean, it, it sounds bad, but it really is a good place to be because... You know, there's all this opportunity for study, so it's a, a bit of a double-edged sword there. Yeah. Now, now is a non-native species the same thing as an invasive species, right? No. 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 Uh, no. Technically, uh, a non-native species is just one that's uh, non-indigenous to that area, mm-hmm. and an invasive species is one that uh, rapidly spreads and causes ecological impacts. Um, and we differentiate the two because obviously one is, is much more serious than the other. And a lot of times what we find is that the non-native species, when they come in, we, you know, it's hard to detect what their impacts are. You know, perhaps we, uh, we lack the tools, the, uh, the resolution to actually detect those effects, but oftentimes, you know, we can't detect them. But others, say, for example, lionfish, you know, that's a 
that's a bad invasive species and mm-hmm. has well-known impacts. So we do differentiate those two terms. Now, you've been in the, the news um, recently. Uh, the Sarasota newspaper, I saw a story there about a new study that's out that found native fish are winning the battle against other invasive uh, aquatic species. Can you tell us all about this? So, uh, first off, the, the study was on uh, a guppy, and I think most people have, have heard of a guppy. It's a popular aquarium fish. And uh, we set out to find, uh, you know, why were guppies not here? Um, they're all over the world. It's one of the most uh, ubiquitous uh, non-native or invasive species, depending on where they are uh, in the world. They're, they're everywhere. And uh, Florida has a, a famously welcoming environment for uh, non-natives. Um, and we wanted to find out why. And uh, what we looked at was a hypothesis called uh, biotic resistance. And uh, what that means is just the, the native community can uh, thwart invasions. And typically when we think of uh, failed invasions, it's because of, uh, you know, the climate's not suitable or there's insufficient uh, numbers of uh, what we call propagules, so just the, the number of individuals or seeds or whatever else. And uh, typically it's the, uh, you know, the climate that a lot of scientists focus on. It's mm-hmm. one of the, the dominant mechanisms which uh, limits invasion. But we focused instead on uh, biotic resistance of uh, a native species, and uh, that is the mosquito fish, which is probably the most common fish in fresh waters of all of Florida. So, and I've never heard of a mosquito fish, and I feel sorry for them because that's a terrible name to have because <laughs> you're named after a, a dangerous could could be dangerous pest. But um, what does it look like? Why is it called that? So it's about the same size of a gu- as a guppy. If you've if you've seen a guppy, most have. Um, and it's called a mosquito fish because, like the guppy, it's been introduced the world over. And it's been introduced because it can control mosquito larvae. Mm. And uh, it's also highly aggressive. So where it's been introduced, it's been implicated in the declines of uh, amphibians um, and other small-bodied fish. But here it's native. And uh, for people that don't know uh, or haven't seen a mosquito fish, if you've walked along the, lead, the edge of a lake or a, uh, a ditch or a canal and you've seen little fish along the shoreline, those are most likely to be mosquito fish. Um, they, they really are everywhere. And, and that's uh, to our benefit, um, which is validated by this study of ours. Now, my understanding is that um, not all invasive species are, are bad, and they have some purpose, right? It, guppies are an example. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely. In addition to uh, mosquito fish being introduced the world over, guppies were also introduced to uh, every continent except uh, Antarctica to control uh, mosquitoes. Um, you know, and... and 
there's there's a lot of reasons why we might introduce non-natives. For example, uh, more towards your neck of the woods, uh, butterfly peacock bass were introduced for uh, sport fishing, and it's mm. now uh, a, a pretty big uh, you know uh, angler community devoted to catching this fish, which is uh, uh, native to South America. So that might be a reason. Another reason we might introduce non-natives um, beyond just the agriculture, because uh, obviously a lot of uh, agricultural products are non-native, but uh, we also introduce uh, non-natives to control other non-natives. Um, a good example of this is uh, the uh, Brazilian pepper tree. I don't know if you know that. They're the worst you know thing ever. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> One they're, of them. They're everywhere. They're, they're, they really are um, all throughout the Everglades and, and other places. But uh, in 2019, um, a insect was released to attempt to control the Brazilian pepper, mm -hmm. and uh, that is ongoing. Um, I haven't seen the results of that yet, but that's called biological control, and it's somewhat related to uh, biotic resistance in that both uh, rely on species to control other species. Gotcha. Now, there um, more news that came out. Um, there's, there's a certain frog that, that, that we know about now with claws. Scary. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and that's kind of been the news, too, is that uh, we now have a uh, frog with claws. And it, it does have it does have claws, but uh, just on its hind legs. And it, it uses that to uh, shred leaf litter and, and food particles and that sort of thing. But um, several years ago, uh, some colleagues and I uh, from the Tropical Aquaculture Lab we discovered a population of uh, a tropical or tropical clawed frog, and this is from uh, Africa, and uh, it was breeding in Riverview, which is uh, south of Tampa. And uh, since that first discovery, we've found that it's uh, spread to a large number of ponds, and uh, beginning uh, this year, we're doing a pilot study to see if mosquito fish can also be used to control this frog. And our pilot data suggests that it's, it's extremely likely that uh, mosquito fish might also eliminate this frog. And, and why it hasn't before is because the, or the clawed frog will breed in uh, ephemeral habitats. So habitats that are filled with water for just a short period of time. The frogs will lay their eggs in there. And then before that pond dries up, the, uh, the frogs would leave that habitat. And because of that, you can't have, uh, you know, populations of fish rarely colonize them. But uh, we're trying to introduce these fish and see if we can't control that population and maybe even eradicate this population it's so rare that uh, we eradicate species once they get here. So typically what happens is, you know, we just, you know, we just eventually deal with them, whether it's uh, fire ants or, 
or you know lionfish or something else you just you know you just get used to it the community adapts and and life goes on but i think here we actually have a very good opportunity you know like the guppies which were essentially eliminated and not able to establish in florida i think we can eliminate this frog but this tropical clawed frog it it eats tadpoles and other young frogs it's it's which is rude but it eats it's a cannibal it certainly is it it, it eats itself yes <laughs> why <laughs> in addition to uh uh native amphibians well you know i've, I've kind of heard that that question before which is why would something um eat a juvenile of that same species mm-hmm. and and my answer is typically that well, your your body is made up of certain uh, you know elements or or you know tissues or whatever, and those tissues in a juvenile of that species are probably very similar to the tissues in that adult. So essentially, you're eating, I guess, exactly what you need. <laughs> ah, <laughs> which I got is, you. Which is which is kind of how I put it, but I I think in this case it's just opportunity. They're mm-hmm. just such voracious feeders that uh you know they'll eat just about anything that'll that'll fit in their mouth well i'm judging them uh well i you know i do it all the time i (laughs) they're just uh they're they're the weirdest thing and when you when you catch them and grab them um their bodies are kind of squishy and then you can you can feel their claws kind of scratching your your hands they're just (laughs) nice nice. yeah i don't don't like them either (laughs) nice well quentin tuckett thank you so much for tuning afternoon for for calling in and being our guest this morning i hope we can have you back sometime because it's like i feel like we just scratched the surface of i think we did too and i'd love that thank you all right quentin have a great and productive day talk to you soon all right bye-bye bye-bye And thank you all for tuning in this morning. I'm here weekdays at 8.15 for It's Too Early. We have all kinds of guests. We've had actors, uh, comedians, writers. Um, We just had a scientist. Like, we're we're doing well. Uh, If you came in late or you want to catch up on some shows, it's a podcast. The title is It's Too Early, and it's on Podbean, Spotify, Audible. It's available to you. Going to play a song, come back with some headlines and a look at your weather forecast. This is King Princess with 1950, Island 106.9. Stick around. I hate it when dudes try to chase me. But I love it when you try to save me. Because I'm just a lady. I 